Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You know, I've been doing my turkey update at the beginning of every show, and before season started, I was doing my turkey countdown. Well, this starts the time of year when I get a little bit down. We are now one week away from the end of season in Alabama. It looks like with my work schedule that I may end up missing a couple of days out of that next week that we have coming up, which is not going to make me very happy either. But duty calls, and we've got to do what we've got to do. So we've got a great show this week. You're listening to episode 30, which is Question and Answer with Eddie Salter, the turkey man. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank you guys for taking time to leave reviews on iTunes. That is very helpful. It helps me to know what you like about the show and what I need to give you more of to keep you interested and keep you tuning into the show. And so I'm always very appreciative of the reviews that we get. And I'll encourage you to go and leave a five-star rating and a review for the show if you don't mind. That's very helpful for me. So I want to read a couple of the reviews that we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. Dances with Trout. I love that name, by the way. Dances with Trout says, great content. The Turkey Hunter podcast has interesting content for hunters of all experience levels. Dances with Trout, thank you. You know, I've really tried hard to make the show something that all turkey hunters will enjoy. And, you know, I try to mix it up a little bit and give some tips for newbies where the experienced turkey hunters are going, oh, wait a minute, I've known this for 20 years. Well, yeah, but I've known not to do some things for 20 years or to do some things for 20 years and still screw up and do it again. And really and truly, that's one of the reasons why I do this show is because it's a reminder for me before every season of here's the list of things that I don't need to do because the first three or four or five days I'm in the turkey woods, I'm relearning Maybe I should say remembering all of the things that I need to be doing and don't need to be doing. And this shows a good way to avoid having that learning curve for those three or four days or maybe shorten that learning curve to one or two days. So Dances with Trout, thank you again. Now the next review is from KSLR10. KSLR10 who says, awesome podcast, very down to earth with amazing information. It's about real people and real turkey hunting situations. It's good to know that even some of the most experienced turkey hunters go through the same trials and tribulations as the average Joe. Great job, Andy. Well, KSLR10, let me tell you a couple of things about how true your comment is. I've got a good deal of experience in the turkey woods. 
but I am not as experienced as people like Eddie Salter, Cuz Strickland, Harold Knight. There are a lot of turkey hunters out there, and not just the famous ones that we all know, but there are a lot of turkey hunters out there with a lot more experience than I have, but we all go through the same thing. Turkeys are turkeys. Even though we think, well, a Eddie Salter, all he does is turkey hunt. He's got to have turkeys that got to just run to him. Tom Kelly, turkeys have to just run to that man. Look at the book that he wrote. Turkeys can't read. Turkeys don't watch TV shows. Turkeys don't care if it's Eddie Salter calling to them or John Doe who has one week of calling experience under his belt. Turkeys are turkeys. They're going to do what they want to do on their own time and in their own way. And in saying that, this is kind of a lead-in to, like I said, the turkey update, which for me is going to be a pretty quick story. But also, it's a lead-in to our guest for today. So let me give you the turkey update real quick, talking about trials and tribulations. So this past Tuesday ended nine straight days of rain and low pressure in Alabama. Nine straight days, which virtually had the turkeys shut down. They were gobbling three, four times on the roost, maybe once or twice when they hit the ground. That was it. And that was very, very frustrating. Now... Tuesday, we got some good weather, and the birds actually loosened up and started gobbling a little bit. They're starting to wind down here in Alabama, but they'd gobble a little bit on the roost, fly down, and gobble for about 45 minutes or so on the ground. I have not killed or called in a turkey for over the past two weeks, partly because of rain and weather, partly because the turkeys that I've had gobbling have been over on the neighbor's property. And, you know, the thing is, you've just got to stick with it. You've got to keep going. As frustrating as it may be, get up in the morning, get dressed, get out in the woods. You are not going to kill a turkey if you don't go turkey hunting. So that's our lead-in for our guest this week. You know, when I interview a guest and get ready to put the show together, I do a fair amount of research on that guest so that I can give a decent intro for the guest that we're having on the show. Well, there's no shortage of information about Eddie Salter that you can find online. The guy has been turkey hunting for about 50 years. 50 years. He's the host of the Turkey Man show on the Pursuit Channel, and he's also with Flex Tone Game Calls. Eddie has won two World Turkey Calling Championships and a bunch of state, regional, and local championships as well. So he's, So the guy knows how to turkey call. There's no question about that. And he's a pretty dang good natural voice caller as well. So in saying all of that, and in doing my research about Eddie, I stumbled across an article that's on mossyoak.com that I really feel like drives home the point of what I was just saying about you're not going to kill a turkey sitting at home. And it also ties in with KSLR 10's review where KSLR says it's good to know that even some of the most experienced turkey hunters go through the same trials and tribulations as average Joe. So here's the story real quick. I'm going to summarize this. Eddie Salter had an outdoor rider coming to Evergreen, Alabama, which is where he lives, to hunt with him for about five days. And the outdoor rider was writing a book and was hunting with some of the best known turkey hunters and callers at that point in time. And so Eddie had called around. He'd gotten permission to hunt some of these spots where they'd be considered to be some of the best turkey hunting spots in Alabama. He says that for four straight days from daylight to dark, he went to every single one of those spots, every place that he knew to hunt turkeys, and never heard a gobble, not one gobble the whole time. He'd walk this guy nearly to death. 
and Eddie kept telling him, don't give up, don't give up, we'll get a turkey, just hang in there. But after four days of hunting, that hadn't happened yet. So with about an hour left of this rider's hunt, they're driving down a road and they see a gobbler in full strut in a field. And Eddie looks at the rider and says, we've got an hour left to hunt, let's give it a shot, see what happens. The rider looks at him and says, man, there's no way you're going to call that gobbler out of the field and up to the top of the hill where you have permission to hunt. And Eddie said, well, you know, maybe I can't do it, but what other shot do we have? We got to at least try. So they climb to the top of the hill and Eddie gets up to the top of the hill before the rider does. And Eddie yelps to the turkey out in the field very loudly. He said the turkey turns and looks at him and turns back away and puts his tail to him. Eddie says he calls again and the turkey turns faces him, still in full strut, and turns back around the other way. Eddie said this turkey is about 250 yards out into this field, in the middle of this field, and he's about 250 yards from the woods all the way around him. So he's about smack dab in the middle of this field. And he said all of a sudden, he hears a shotgun shot. And he tells the rider, there's no way somebody's going to kill that turkey from that kind of a distance. So the shot scares the turkey. And all of a sudden, the turkey, the turkey jumps up in the air, turns in midair and starts flying towards the top of the hill where they're standing and eddie tells the rider get ready because you might get a shot at this turkey so the turkey's flying towards the top of the hill towards the woods line and when the turkey gets about 20 yards away from eddie and the outdoor rider the outdoor rider throws his gun up and shoots and folded the turkey up and the turkey landed about two yards from eddie's boot and so they're high-fiving each other and laughing and celebrating and Eddie told the writer he said I told you I'd call a turkey up for you so basically the moral of the story is that turkey hunting is filled with highs and lows and you never know when the highs are going to be so get out there and enjoy the spring in the woods enjoy turkey hunting everything that it is good bad ugly wonderful just enjoy it have a good time and I'm going to turn you guys over to Eddie we're going to start the interview now, and I will see you on the other side. I am very excited to have on the line with me today a turkey hunting legend. I have Mr. Eddie Salter on the line with me. And, Eddie, how are you and where are you today? Well, actually, I'm driving back home. I've been been to opening weekend up in North Carolina. I've been with my grandson, and I was lucky enough to get him a turkey, and He's just seven years old, and that was his second turkey. And man, I tell you what, it's exciting because I could see the excitement in his eyes when we went out there and got that old big gobbler and brought him back here and went to talking about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now, did you video that hunt for him at all? We did. We videoed that hunt and be on the Turkey Man TV show next season, which, uh, you know, is actually the first and second quarter starting in January. And of course, it's on right now. You can. You can catch our last year's seasons right now. So, you know, that's exciting, you know, really especially when you can involve your family and keep them involved in it. And really, truly, that's what it's all about anyhow is passing it on. Very true. And that's one thing that I've really kind of gotten into here lately is trying to get a lot more people introduced to the sport and help some folks get their first bird. So that's that's the main thing with this podcast is if I can help some people out there just by having very good turkey hunters like yourself on here and teach them a thing or two that they can 
put in their pocket and or put in their vest, I probably should say, and take to the woods with them and try on that old turkey that just won't come in or is not playing right, and that's that one trick they need to get them to to come in to be able to harvest them. Then, you know, we're we're doing what we need to be doing over here on the show. So that's right, that's right. Uh, you know, I just got off the line and talking to one of my buddies. He had called me, and, and I was checking on turkeys around, you know, in Alabama. And the biggest problem that, you know, turkeys have been gobbling a little bit and, and then just shutting up. And what the deal is, they've been flying down with hens. And, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's some of the main problem right there is when they get hened up, man, they ain't got to gobble. So if you can't kill them, if you don't hear them gobble a lot of times. And so, you know, that's some of the problems that I see right now with our seats. Yeah, definitely. And I think that a lot of there's a lot of states that are coming in. They're having their youth weekends like North Carolina, and that's something that we run across in or in the early part of season. And it's actually, that was a good tie-in for one of the questions that's been asked by one of the folks on the Facebook page. And this one was asked by Mark. He's also known as Bama Guitar Dude. Okay. He said, what is the most effective strategy to hunt silent birds? Well, I think do your preseason scouting and know where they're at. You know, have a good idea. See the sign, and they use in fields or one one part of the woods, and 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 then go in there and maybe just set up and be patient. A lot of times, you know, you can go in these areas and be very successful. I've done that this year because turkeys haven't been gobbling good this year. You know, I w- I have seen them in the past. Yeah, I think I've had probably the best goblin morning that I've had so far this season this morning, and. decoys, but if you don't have a blind, 
you're going to get picked off, you know, nine times out of ten trying to adjust to the turkey. Right. And if you hadn't had any luck, then move about 40, you know, 35 to 45 minutes later and reset up in another area and do the, do redo the same deal. Call about once uh, every five minutes or so, run through a series, and then call again. Now, how do you like to call at that stage? Are you doing some soft calling and mainly clucks and, well, what and are, purrs? You know, anytime, yep, that's a great question. Anytime I go in and I, when I start a setup, I start off with, you know, soft calling. You know, and I'll just start doing some basic hen yips, and then I'll build up and throw some cuts in there. And then I'll kind of, like you walking upstairs, I'll kind of step it up. I'll just, you know, take that uh, soft calling and get a little bit more aggressive. but still doing hen yips and just throw a few aggressive cuts in there and bring the volume up a little bit. So what That hen is actually looking, where you at? I'm looking for you. She's putting a little feeling in her calling. And I don't gobble a lot of times. I think he can read that. And, you know, you'll get excitement. You know, you'll get, I think you'll get a gobble out of him a lot of times when you step it up another knot. Right. Now, on your decoy setup, I know you're probably using a different setup as the season progresses, but let's say it's early season. What are you doing for decoy setup at that point? Well, early season, I'm, I'm still, I'm actually going to use a, I'm going to use a hen and a gate. From the early part of the season throughout the whole season, most of the time you're not going to run a two-year-old turkey off and then an old turkey, you don't want them there. And I've had real good success with that. All right. That's good to know. And and you're setting the decoys up 20 yards from you roughly. And do you always yeah. set the, the hen up facing away from you and the jake facing towards you? Well, what I try to do if I felt, felt like a... If I'm looking down a road or wherever, wherever I think the turkey's going to come from, I kind of like to profile them sideways, especially, you know, all the coloration of a, that jake, you know, that's got red in it. I want to be able to see it, you know, for sure, wherever I think the turkey kind of profile it. And I've had better success with that. Okay. And I know when you're hunting silent birds, it's hard to know where they're going to come in from anyway because they're not it, telling you where they are. But That is true. You know, you got an idea where you think they may be. and uh, But, you know, a lot of times, you know, they ain't going to come in and catch you off guard anyhow. But, uh, yeah. you know, about, like you said, about 20 yards away or 25 to give you an opportunity to make a real good shot on them or so. And then if they come in and, you know, a lot of times they'll come in and get a little bit spooky and they just don't like it. And they, and they at that 40 yards or so, you know, then you can go on and make the shot on them anyhow. That's all good information there. Now, Blake Morris on Facebook has asked a question. He said, what circumstances, if any, would lead you to use a gobble call to locate birds? Well, on some of these mornings where I'm not hearing any turkeys gobble, and then, you know, I've owl hooted, I've crow called, and I really don't want a turkey call yet because it may be a turkey right there real close. And a lot of times he'll gobble at a gobble call just to be gobbling back at him, and it kind of seems like it just shot gobbles them anyhow, and it gives you an idea where you need to get a good setup on them. So... A lot of times when nothing's happening, let's put it that way, when nothing's happening, I can't make a turkey gobble. Instead of, you know, running the hen call, I'd rather go to a gobble call just to try to make one gobble 
where I can really get set up on him good before I start using my hand call. Yeah. And one thing that I like to do with a gobble call is, again, kind of as a last resort when I've got a bird yep. that's hung up and is not coming in and he's proven that he's not coming in and I've used every trick in the book on him and even gone silent on him for 30, 45 minutes and he's still not budged. Then oh. I like to gobble at him. And my experience is that it'll either bring him in and a lot of times bring him in running or run him off. And either way at that stage, after messing with a turkey for a couple hours, I'm usually ready for, either him to die or me to go uh, oh, to the house that's and get a, breakfast. Yeah, that, that is great right there. You know, and really, too, in the early season, you know, which is it's about going past right now, but early season, turkeys, you know, a lot of times, the, you know, turkeys have been running together all the long there. The gobblers have been running together all year. And a gobble call works good, more so better than, than a hen call, or, or you know, because they, they've been running together, and they I noticed, yeah. Over the years, actually, here in Turkey's gobble, they four or five, and they think they all get together, and then they'll shut up. So a lot of times, we help bring in, you know, it'll help bring in other gobblers. Yeah, that's good to know, too, then. Todd Harrell has asked a question. He wants to know how often you get to hunt for yourself. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good question, uh this year, I've actually, I went to Florida, and I hunted two days in Florida, and here it is, already over two weeks in Alabama, and and I went one morning. I've been one morning in Alabama by myself, and yeah. and, and that's, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I'm, I choose for it to be that way. I, I enjoy hunting with other folks, and I like to call for them, and, you know, and it ain't as much. I don't have as much blood in my eyes, of course. Now, I still get excited, you know, when it's my turn to put a gun in my hand. But to me, being able to take these youngsters or somebody trying to learn more about hunting, and, uh, you know, I, I really get I get a lot more out of that than I, I do killing one. But, you know, I'm going to get to hunt some this year. I'm, gonna, I'm headed to Kansas uh, here in a week or so, and... You know, last year I didn't even really kill an Alabama turkey, and I don't know. It looks like I may not shoot one this year. So, but uh, great question. I know a lot of the folks that I interview that are in the business of having a TV show and having companies that they represent end up taking so many people hunting that they often don't get to hunt themselves. I thought that was a pretty good question too. It was a great question. It was. Now. Alan Howell has asked a question. He wants to know what is the most memorable bird that you have taken, where and what kind of bird was that? Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, you know, I've actually probably the one that probably meant the most to me a lot of times. I look back at it. It was one where my daughter actually shot the turkey, you know, back in. She's actually uh, 31 years old right now, but she was about 13 years old or so, and with a busy schedule, I hadn't had a chance to hunt with her as much as I probably should have had. But we went uh, on our on our first turkey hunt, and we had a great hunt that morning. Didn't wasn't successful, and then we went to another location and we got out. And, and I located a turkey, or she heard a turkey gobbling. She told me that she thought it was a turkey gobbling, and we made a move on it. And I stopped, and I cut 
real loud with a mouth call and a turkey gobble. And and I said, well, yeah, I know right where he's at. So we moved around and didn't go. We really didn't go, but about seventy five yards. And I, you know, I said I better check him again. And and I called again, and that rascal he had come about a hundred yards. He was, you know, that's what I always say. You need to always be looking for a place to set up. So and we oh, yeah. had we scrambled around and was trying to get head nets and everything on. And the turkey was coming hard, but anyhow, he was an old. It was a dogwood tree hanging over the edge of a little old wood road right there, and I told told her, I said, well, now, when he gets to that dogwood tree, I'm going to, you know, he's close enough to kill, and I'm going to let you make your own decision of you shoot him when you get ready, but right there, you can kill him. So when he got right there on that dogwood tree, he, you know, he stopped, and he looked up, and she shot him. He made a beautiful shot on him, and we both run up there and was looking at him, and and I I started crying. I mean, you know, and she looked at me. She said, well, Daddy, why in the world are you crying? She says, I know you're happy, but why are you crying? I said, well, I just I just thought, as you shot, as I was running up here, about 40 yards away, right over here, just 40 yards, your granddaddy shot his last turkey right there. And it, it oh, was, wow. she shot her first one, and he shot his last turkey. I lost him back in 1988. And boy, I tell you what, it, it really was it meant a lot to me because that was her first turkey, and it just brought back such a great, you know, a memory of what uh, you know turkey hunting is all about. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. I know that had to be special for you. That's awesome. It was, really was, and yeah. especially that morning earlier, we had uh, we were doing a TV show and and. I had called a turkey up, and, and I was telling her to shoot, shoot, shoot. He was right there about 30 steps. And, you know, she, the turkey busted us and run off. And, and the camera crew left and went on, and, you know, and I told her, I said, hey, I'm sorry I rushed you and all that. And we got by halfway back to the truck, and she said, Daddy, I want to tell you something. I want to fess up. A while ago, I just got so excited I couldn't find my safety or my trigger. I didn't even know where it was at on my gun. I had that big copper in my, and I, and she said, I just lost it. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't tell you that to start with because I didn't know how long you wanted it to be. But that just kind of added to, you know, you know, the gas of the fire right there. Yeah, definitely. Well, next time you talk to her, tell her that that she's not the only one that gets like that. I've been hunting them for twenty something years, and I still get that way myself. So. <laughs> I we didn't. We'd all we quit. But That's I tell right. you, I tell you another special hunt too. That we went to Texas. I guess it was about five years ago. And she took all my turkey calls away from me. She took every call I had away from me, and she called a turkey up for me to shoot. So she called Daddy one in. So you know there that you was go. pretty special too. There you go. That's that's awesome right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John Briard, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, John Briard or John Breard, he says he wants to know what one factor has led you to harvest more gobblers than any other? Well, I think I think it's a mindset. I think you got to go out there and I think Ronnie Strickland, you know, I hunted with Ronnie Strickland with Mossy Oak. And he said, man, I can't believe Eddie Salter. He he thinks it's a turkey behind every tree. 
And and I, I think he re- the reason he said that is I was so aggressive and and you know when I come to an area I didn't want to walk good I wanted to you know alhu or crow call or turkey call and you know I wanted to not leave a stone uncovered I wanted to make sure that you know that I threw a line out there like you was bass fishing you got to get lines in the water to catch bass so you got to do you got to throw some turkey calls in the woods to make turkeys gobble. So the cut-and-run style, I think uh, they, they tell me that Eddie Salter invented the cut-and-run style. I don't know, but I've been real aggressive, and I don't leave any stones unturned. There you go. I think that's a really good piece of advice that a lot of, a lot of hunters, period, can take. And I'm going to tell you, me personally – Probably the first 10 years of my turkey hunting career, I started late, and my dad did not turkey hunt. He was in the landscaping and nursery business, and in the springtime was his time to make hay. So they, oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he, he worked hard in the spring, and I didn't grow up turkey hunting, so I learned to hunt basically on my own. And... Everybody I'd ever talked to kept telling me how hard these turkeys are to kill and how great these superpowers that these turkeys have and on and on and on. And it got me to where I was so conservative in the woods that I was my biggest problem. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, the turkey was not my biggest problem. It was me. That's right. I think we we put too much... We put too much pressure on ourselves a lot of times, to, and we, we kind of outsmart our own self. Yeah, very true. And somebody told me one time, he said, and I, I can't even remember who it was, but he said, let me tell you the secret to killing more turkeys. When you're in the woods and you get a turkey gobbling, whether he's gobbling to a locator call or a yelp or whatever it is that you might be doing, when he's gobbling at you, you get in there on that turkey to the tree that you feel the most comfortable with, that you think that you're not going to spook that turkey, you get to that tree and you get there and you look for the next tree closer. And that's the tree you want to get to right there. You move one tree closer to that turkey than you actually feel comfortable getting. Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a step you don't have to make. Every step we can make, that's, a, that's some great advice. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's every step that he don't have to make, that's one he's closer to you. So. A lot yeah. of times. And I'll tell you another one. Let me back up another one on that, too. Is if you've been working a turkey, it seems like things go south and, you know, it's just, you know, it's not happening. An old turkey hunter told me, he said, he said son, if you'll wait 15 more minutes, on most cases, before you get up and leave to go somewhere else, you're going to find out you're going to kill a lot of turkeys in that last 15 minutes right there. You know, you, if you get up, a lot of times you run a lot of turkeys off. So, and I, I've done that over the years. I'd get ready to go, and I'd wait another at least 10, 10 minutes or so, and I've killed several turkeys like that. Yeah. Now, during that 10 minutes, are you sitting there quietly? Yeah, I'm just sitting there quiet and watching and see. You know, I'm, I'm really being alert, though. I'm you know, thinking, well, you know, he may have, you know, a lot of turkeys are just, when they get in so close, they'll just shut up. And they'll Absolutely. stand there for five or ten minutes or so and not even move, and then all at once. They'll break and they'll walk in there and not say a word. Mm-hmm. The turkeys where I hunt in southwest Alabama, 
when they get within about 100 yards of you, they stop gobbling and they drum. Yep. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to bump a lot of birds. That's right. That's right. You'll spook a bunch of them because you'll think, well, that bird's gone. Well, no, he's not. He's standing over there and he's drumming. And he's That's right. That's right. Cause that's part of that's part of a ritual to take it through that drumming. That's just you know, it's just like you making a turkey call. It's just a hen call or a fly down cackle. That's a call that the gobbler's making, letting that hen know, hey, I'm right over here. Well, tell me how and when you first got into turkey hunting. Well, I got you know I've been I'm 61 years old and I you know and I started back as a young boy. We, I was lucky, uh, just real lucky that to live out in the country and we had wild turkeys that would come in and out of our pasture. And I'm talking fifty years ago now and there were turkeys throughout Alabama but they wasn't just everywhere. And mm-hmm. we in my little area I lived in Connecticut County. We had turkeys that would fly in and out or walk in and out and you know, when I say fly in, I've seen them fly in, fly down in our we had a big cow pasture out there. And I'd see them fly down out there, and they'd go into a strut and then gobble. Even as a five- or six-year-old boy, because I had to do chores, I had to feed the cows and, and the chickens and all that kind of stuff. And I got to noticing these turkeys, and you know, and I really, you know, it was really amazing to me. I could hear them calling and then hear them gobbling and, you know, try to figure out what are, what are these hens saying to these gobblers to make them gobble when they're doing that and just... You know, it, I was real curious, and, and my dad, he was not no turkey hunter, but he was like the other dad. If, if your son wanted to hunt, he wanted to get in there, and most of us do. They want us to get in there and help as much with our kids as we can. And so he got, you know, he got to taking me hunting. And we went, I don't know, we may have went a couple of years or so before I ever even killed one. I can't really remember, but I remember going with him a lot of times, and we and we didn't kill turkeys. I didn't even tow the gun. And then I remember killing my first turkey, and I actually bushwhacked him. The old turkey was just, you know, he was hard to call up. And so I kind of got on one side of the field, and Daddy got on the other, and that's the way I ended up killing him. And so then got into calling, and, but, you know, I really probably really more, I reckon, generated from, from my grandfather on my mother. My grandfather's on my mother's side. It was he was a real big turkey hunter from Bangnanet, Ballin County area down there. And matter of fact, he was one of the first guys that helped engineer or whatever you want to call the mouth call. He helped design the mouth calls in the 1920s. Him and a couple of other guys, and mm-hmm. and then that's all you know. He would want to talk about was turkey hunting, especially around Christmas and and all that. You know. I didn't get to spend much time with him. Never did go turkey hunting with him, but I was around him a bunch as a young boy, and that's all he wanted to talk about was turkeys. So, really, you know, I, you know, I got to hear that and then watching them too, and then after I shot my first one, I was, you know, I was just hooked after that. But it was just, and I think too, uh, another thing that helped me was, you know, with the, the good Lord, I think give me an opportunity to become a barber. And that helped me gain access to a lot of properties, you know, because it was hard to turn me down when I was cutting the hair and using the straight razor when I started shaving that hair around the ears <laughs> and neck. You know, I got I got permission to hunt a lot of places that the average guy wouldn't get. That razor helped me out a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would imagine so. I'd probably give you permission to hunt. Yeah, that's hunt right. Him. That's right. You that's had right. a razor up near my head. And you know, the, the thing is, is you know, and what I'm leading up to is, if you've got a lot of places to hunt, if you make mistakes in one place, you always got somewhere else to go. And I think that's one thing too is, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Anyhow, you can have preseason, and you know, you need to start or whatever. You hear turkeys gobble. Get you a couple different turkeys that you think you. Can that you are different turkeys that you know if something happens to one turkey, you can go to the other turkey and that you've got confidence. Confidence has got a lot to do with your calling ability or if you've got confidence you're going to kill a turkey in that particular area, chances are you will. That's very true. Yeah, buddy of mine, when you tell him to get ready to go out and hunt, he says, well, what's the plan for tomorrow? wanting to put together some sort of a game plan, asking kind of where are we going, what are we going to do, that type of thing. My standard answer every time he asks a question is, we're going to kill a turkey. All right. Oh, that's right. Well, you got to have you got to have you got to have the right attitude. If you don't yeah. you don't have the attitude, and and that goes to being real aggressive and uh, you know is not scared to try different things. And you know another good advice: is don't go to the woods with one particular call. His mouth calls, go with several different mouth calls and change them up, sound like several hens. One of my favorite things to do a lot of times is when I got a turkey hung up is use a slate call and a mouth call at the same time, sound like two distinguished different hens. You know, the, the, the sound is completely different. And mm-hmm. make it old gobber think he's got two girls over there telling him that they love him instead of one girl. Right. Give him some options. Absolutely. Well, that leads to another question. Is there anything you would not do or recommend doing while turkey hunting? You know, especially on public ground, I would, you know, a lot of these guys are using decoys with the tail fans. They're fanning up turkeys. And right. one thing I would not do on public ground is use decoys that, or use these fan decoys. We got one called a thunder chicken. A lot of guys will crawl out and keep that uh, uh, decoy, it's a half decoy and tail fan, and they'll crawl out and stick it in the ground. And, you know, you got to think about this. There's other hunters in the woods. you got to think about safety right there. And so definitely, for sure, that could be one of them right there is not use any kind of gobbler decoys or whatever or fans on public ground. Right. And also... We harp on red or white or blue. You need to really pay attention to T-shirts up under your hunting hunting clothes. A lot of times that white shines. It's a lot of folks that get shot every year. You know, and another thing, when you see see movement, make sure that you identify your target right there. Don't just go on and knock your safety off if you see a little bit of movement right there because I, I have been in a situation one time myself where I knocked the safety off on a man that was, I had a turkey goblin and it was just super early. The turkey flew down. I heard the turkey fly down and he gobbled and he was right on the edge of a road. And I was kind of waiting for him to make them last few steps out in the road. And I saw a dark shadow coming and I said, well, there he is right there. And I went ahead and knocked my safety off. And all at once, out stepped a little, little small man that yipped on a little snuff can right there. And, man, it liked to give me a heart attack because I was sitting there with a safety knocked off on the shotgun and it pointed directly at him about 40 steps. 
Now, why wow. he come down there, I was hunting on, on accident. That was years ago. I was hunting on some uh, permit only, but you, it was paper mill company, company land that you could buy a permit. And but it was open to anybody that wanted to buy a permit. So I was hunting on, you know, land that other hunters was there. And so, you know, these are some of the things that, you know, you, you don't want to ever want to knock that safety off on movement. Make sure you identify his red, white, and blue head, and he's got a beard, and he is a definitely gobble. Right. That is the key. You know, you don't ever want to do something you're going to regret later, and you cannot take that shot back once it goes out the gun barrel. That's true. Without a doubt. And you and I spoke about him last week, but I had a show with Josh Carney, the son oh, yeah. of the South, on last week. We talked about turkey hunting, safety tips, and that was one of the things that I said was the worst thing you can do is shoot somebody. Running a turkey off is not the worst thing that you can do when you're turkey hunting. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And none of us, none of us want that on our conscience. And talk That's about right. ruin not only your turkey season, but ruin you for life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not something you want to do. And so, yeah, that's that's all good advice for sure. Well, I always ask people who come on the show to tell us about their most recent successful turkey hunt and the one or two things that made that successful. So, well, I mean, it would have to be with my grandson, and we started off yesterday morning, and uh, we had four gobblers come in, and they got in there, and some hens took them away. They got in there about 50 steps, and they were coming, and some hens was kind of right to our left, and kept moving on, and the gobblers turned and left with the, you know, with the hens, and they were right there at that critical stage. We didn't really want to make that shot, and then we went and called up a bunch of jakes, and but the, what we done is we decided this was right around lunchtime. We knew where some turkeys had, oh, this I had killed turkeys there the last couple of years. It was an area that turkeys just loved to hang out in. It was a big crossroads. That the guy had, he had like right ways of the roads were about 30 foot, and he had them planted in clover forever on both sides of the roads right there, and just seemed like it was a turkey magnet. And the hens, you know, they love that clover, they come in there yeah. picking them cl- tops of clovers off, and then this great area to nest in, and for the little pokes when they hatch off, because there's a lot of bugs there, and I just mm-hmm. said, we're just going to go set up, and we're going to sit here for a couple hours, and you know, when you're hunting with a youngster, a lot of times just cutting and running. Uh, you know, he's pretty, he's got, you know, pretty uh, active in being able to move a gun and all that. But it's a whole lot better if you go, you know, really pick your, you know, pick your vantage points, you think, anyhow. And so we did. We sat right there, and it, it wasn't no time. Uh, we had turkeys gobbling, and we called up one. He saw a little something he didn't like, and he eased off, and then. We had some more to come in there, and they went to fighting with the ones that we were calling to to start with. And then, then I call, kept calling, the hen kept answering me, and she come got in our lap. And she was white. She was a, a smoky gray. She was solid white with black tips on her. And she come up to my hen decoy within probably about 10 steps of my grandson, and, you know, he didn't run her off. And then she finally decided she would move off, and these turkeys, after they got through fighting, they broke and come in there, and she started walking off. 
she kind of helped. Led, she led the gobblers right past us right there. I quit calling and everything, got to, got to watching the gobblers, you know, following that old hen off, and we got them right where I wanted them. And I went to cutting and, you know, cutting and yapping, and she went to answer me, and they went to gobble, and they gobbled eight or ten times before he killed it. So, man, what a great hunt. I mean, it, just yeah. everything we had, we started off, we kind of went through the highs and the lows and didn't kill, and then, and then we had the icing on the cake right there at the end. Absolutely. So you think one of the keys in that hunt being successful is just knowing the birds and knowing what they're doing all day long? Well, you know that if you're in a good area, you know where there's going to be a lot of hens coming in and out of there. If you let patience, you know, I think patience has got to play a big part in all successes in, in, in the turkey woods, but... If you play off of patience a lot of times, you can be very successful. Knowing that turkeys was in that area, knowing you had hens in there, knowing that gobblers coming in looking for the hens, that self-confidence I was talking about, if you got the confidence, then you'll be successful. Good deal. Well, a couple more questions for you. Steve Fortner wants to know where he can get Turkey Man t-shirts. He wants to know where he can get Turkey Man T-shirt. All right. Uh-huh. All right. You know, I tell you what. Let me give you my my cell number right there, and you can give it to him, and he can call me, and I'll. Because we were working on a website that I got a, a website that we're trying to develop now where he can get them. But I'll take care of him if he'll just call me. I will get that number to him and tell him to give you a buzz, and and you'll get him taken care of. Yes, sir. All right. So. Tell us a little bit about the Turkey Man show, and also tell us about what's going on over at Flextone. Okay. Well, you know, this is actually our third season. We we started off with the Pursuit Channel uh, three years ago, and then, like, last year we moved to the Sportsman's Channel. And, and then, of course, this year we kicked it off. And it's exciting being able to be with Flextone. They got, we got so many... Great products that we work with. Uh, you know, we got Barnett crossbows. We got we got Maristep tree stands and blinds, and, and then Flexstone's got a, just a wonderful assortment of turkey calls that I, I'm able to use. And you know, I really I really look forward each year to try to develop new products with them. And of course, this year they let me introduce a, a line of Turkey Man calls that, that I'm really excited about. That we we ended up with three different mouth calls. And one box call, but next year we, we're going to come out with our hooters. We're going to have a complete turkey man line that, that you'll be able to get in, in most all sporting goods stores. So hopefully we'll have it in your favorite sporting goods store next year. This year we hadn't got them displayed in a lot of different stores, but we're working on getting them out everywhere. You know, Walmart is one of our key places you can find them right now. And, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll be able to get them in all the uh, box stores, and then all your your favorite sporting goods stores next year. Yeah. What states are you planning on hitting this year? Well, my next two states, I'm going to hit Kansas, and then I'm going to hit Missouri on the way back. And okay. uh, I'm going to hit, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to hunt Tennessee, and I know I'm going to hunt Ohio. And I, I may, I don't know, I may hunt another one or two. I'm planning on hunting. Right there at the end, though, I'm going to Pennsylvania. Probably close out my season up in New York, Pennsylvania, up here. Okay. I hear Pennsylvania's some pretty tough hunting. It probably compares to 
Alabama. It does, and it, it's because of the number of hunters up there. It's because of, because of hunting pressure. That you know, that's the name of the ball game. You know, people ask, you know, where are the toughest turkeys? And most of the time, it's the eastern turkey, and and he because he gets more pressure put on him than the other turkeys combined. But day in and day out, you can kill a turkey in Alabama. You won't have no problem killing a turkey. It don't matter if you go to Pennsylvania, wherever you're going to go. You're going to be successful. If you can kill a turkey here, you can kill one anywhere you go. I tend to agree with that of the states I've been to, and you've been to more than I have, but I think I've got 16 under my belt so far that I've taken turkeys in. And But there's, so far, Alabama's head and shoulders as far as having tough birds. Ain't no doubt. Ain't no doubt. Any other states. Yes, sir. Yeah. Talking about killing birds in different states, do you have the most recent count on how many states you have killed in? Because at one time you were trying to kill in all all of the states. I'm actually in about 33 states right now. Okay. So I still got a bunch more to go, but I'm, you know, I'm gaining one or two every year, so... Well, I'm on the same mission with my buddies from college. We're trying to get them marked off the list and just doing two and, if we're yep. lucky, three a yep. year. And yep. Yes, sir. Do it that way. It's been a lot of fun. If you like to travel and you like to turkey hunt, there's no better way to extend the season and That's right. get, get That's to harvest right. more birds than doing that. So I yes, sir. highly recommend people get out and try it if they can. Yeah, I promise you. That's a goal that I wish every turkey hunter would have the opportunity to do if they want to do it. Well, good Lord willing, I'll complete mine. We'll see how it goes. But That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, Eddie, I appreciate you taking time to come on the call with me on Easter Sunday and teach us a little bit about turkey hunting and share some tips with us and some hunting stories as well. It's all been great information. I really appreciate that. And I might hit you up for another call sometime in the not-too-distant future, and we'll talk about a different subject. All right, buddy, that sounds good. I appreciate it because you know I enjoy talking about it. And I just want to wish everybody a, a great, successful season. And, hey, don't be scared to try new things. And God bless, and, and I'll see you in the woods. I love it. Thank you, Eddie. Y'all be right, careful buddy. coming on back. All right, thank you now. All yes, sir. All right, goodbye. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I want to remind you guys to be safe. This is something that you hear me say a lot on the show. If you listen to all of the episodes or even a few of the episodes, you hear me to ask you to be safe a good bit. But right now I'm getting emails almost every day of some sort of an accident where someone's been shot mistakenly. And I'm also getting emails and stories of people getting bit by snakes. recently read a story on a website about a gentleman that was bitten by a rattlesnake. And... It's just something that you got to be careful of out there in the woods this time of year, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. I actually shot a rattlesnake Saturday afternoon about 5 o'clock, and then Sunday morning right after daylight. I was just beginning to see dawn's crack, and I was walking through a swamp, and I stepped about 12 inches from a water moccasin. So keep your eyes open out there. Be safe out there. Also, one other danger that we don't talk about a whole lot is what we do after we shoot a turkey. So be careful when you shoot a turkey and you go up there. Don't grab the turkey. Let the turkey just flop. If the turkey's still alive, shoot it again. 
turkey shells are much cheaper than an emergency room deductible from getting spurred. In fact, one of my hunting buddies, Todd, that you hear me talk about a good bit, he and I hunt together a lot. He got spurred by a turkey that was not quite dead a couple of weeks ago, and the turkey punched two or three holes in his rubber boots. Luckily, didn't actually get Todd with the spur. He just got his clothes in his boots. But, you know, a $10 shotgun shell is still a heck of a lot cheaper than a $80 to $150 pair of boots. Shoot the turkey again if he's still alive and not completely dead. So, just a reminder for you out there, keep an eye out for those snakes. Don't pick up what you think is a dead turkey and he's not dead. And always identify your target. All right, since most of the country is turkey hunting now, season is open in almost every state, if you're getting beat up by a turkey and you don't know what to do, you don't know what other stops to pull out, shoot me an email at askandy at iamturkeyhunting.com. If I don't have any ideas, I don't have any tips or suggestions for you, I'll find somebody that does. If you have a question about turkeys or turkey hunting at all, send me an email for our new segment called Ask the Turkey Hunter. Again, the email address is askandy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And if you don't mind, if you receive notice about the show on Facebook or Twitter, please retweet or forward and share the show on Facebook. That is much appreciated, and it helps to grow the show. Okay, so next week, I'm really excited about this show. I've got Chris Parrish with Night and Hell Game Calls coming on the show to give us a lesson in turkey calling. Turkey Calling 101 with Chris Parrish will be next week. Now, even though I'm calling the show Turkey Calling 101, there are still some 300-level turkey calling tips that Chris shares with us. And so you're not going to want to miss this. There's something for everyone on this show. Whether you've been calling turkeys for a day or you've been calling turkeys for 25 or 30 years, you're going to learn something from listening to Chris, I have a feeling. So be sure to check that out next week. I'm excited about the show. I hope you guys are as well. Thank you guys again for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful and successful week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.